0: What's up, you guys, how are you doing today? This is It's Real with Jordan and Demi. I have Jordan Edwards here. How are you What's doing? Going on, Demi, woohoo! Okay, well, we have Ben and James of the Knox today, and we are going to talk about the new music that they have out with Parson James, came out October 22nd, uh, and their incredible journey to the top of the music industry food chain. Please welcome the Knox. What's
1: going on, guys? What's up, guys? That was such a flattering intro, Demi. Way to go.
2: <laughs> Off of the music industry food
1: chain. Let's go. Yeah.
2: Yeah. We're yeah. Move Claps out of the way. I'm in California right way. now,
0: and it's like everyone's news. I'm sure you guys know there's new artists all over the place all day long, but you guys have just done what seems to be the impossible um, hit songs, uh, crazy collabs. You've collabed with almost everybody. And yeah. uh, I really want to know where did you guys start? Like, Where did it all start with you guys? Where did you meet?
3: Uh, a small room in Alphabet City. In yeah. two small rooms in Alphabet City, actually. Alphabet City, actually.
2: Yeah, we were uh, roommates first, actually. We like met with a mutual friend. And I was in college, and he was in college, and uh, we both needed to get the fuck out of our dorms. And, uh, and we both made music, so we kind of were introduced, like, hey, you guys should be friends. And then, uh, yeah, we became roommates and started making music together slowly. Um, at first, we were kind of doing our own thing, and then we just kind of started collaborating. And over a couple of years, we started doing the Knock stuff. Um, started off as just doing remixes and all that, and then started a couple of originals just for fun, and then it kind of just snowballed over time.
0: At what point did you guys become the Knock?
3: I think it was after this mixtape we put out with DJ Benji. Yeah. It was we a- just, like needed a name. <laughs> Uh, to go along with the mixtape, and then uh, we had this thing that we did uh, called Getting the Knocks whenever we would, a neighbor would knock on the wall. Or like, I think to us a and that's team. on the
1: Wikipedia page, by the way. Yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's like the thing that, like, yeah. So we, we you know, that was what we went with. And uh, I think there was like one other band ever, the Japanese.
2: Yeah, there's band, a Japanese I called The Knocks. And, like, we uh oh, my dog is squeaking his foot um we uh hey, dog. we uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah we we like got the name like copywritten or whatever and they like asked mm-hmm. us if we wanted to see some desist but we said we could leave the japanese punk band because it felt kind of cool
1: yeah that was nice of you guys that was nice of you guys I want to talk about oh
0: my gosh.
1: <laughs> Did we get a dog cameo? Did I miss it?
2: Oh, he's running around. He's
1: too crazy. Oh okay. Okay, because we we welcome we welcome pet cameos on the show. We've <laughs> we had some we've had some some uh some furry friends
3: I got a right here.
1: Oh, there we go. That's good enough. <laughs> That's pet. your pet. It's not a That's your pet. pet. Oh, oh, yeah. my all right, all right. And I don't What's I don't even game? have a stuffed animal. I feel really left
3: out. <laughs> I'm in bed. I, I, love, I love the
1: red and thing. I love I love the Nick, old old school Nickelodeon. Yeah, love,
3: right.
1: it, love it. Before we get into the new music, you guys had this kind of legendary studio. I don't know what the the the, the current status of it is, but you used to have this like legendary studio down in Chinatown, uh, 55 Studio. What's the status on that? Is that completely gone? Like, what's the
3: yeah. Uh, uh like this event space people they brought it and turned it into like the, this after hours situation uh why well, actually that's like that was before the pandemic so i don't know what it is now but uh
2: yeah it was classic gentrification really fun fact mm-hmm. the building used to be owned by the beastie boys back in the day and they had our, their first rehearsal studio
3: so it's actually legendary like,
2: like yeah like on the same floor and they actually have a song called 59 chrissy street which the building is 55-59 but they had a song called 50 on Christie Street, and then we our album was called 55. So, yeah. But yeah, it was a you know, we uh, we were there for years, and it was like a, one of those weird little Chinatown basements. And uh, slowly, some rich guy went and bought it and turned it into a bunch of like bougie rooms to rent for parties, and then got arrested. I think he got basically in trouble because it was very illegal. And uh, yeah, 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 it was That's super- some New York I, I played a couple
3: parties That's there, though. it was really illegal, but.
2: Yeah. yeah, it doesn't it's get more. We had a lot of people come through there, man, because we used to work with a lot of hip hop people. So we had like, Rakim was there. We had 50 Cent through there once. We had a,
0: uh, oh. uh
2: Nicki Minaj recorded there when she was like, she had to be like 18 or some shit. Like she wasn't even popping yet. She was still part of Dipset and that whole thing. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. It was Blanco. Cool. Yeah, Benny Blanco worked out there for a little Dr. bit. Doctor
3: Luke was there for a time. We had a part came and
2: played this Katy Perry stuff before it was out. <laughs> yeah. So. Wow. That, that's where it all started we kind of like before we even had stuff going we had the studio first and kind of did the whole like fake it till you make it thing you know we pretended we had this like big studio with like a little office and interns and we really didn't have we were still broke. <laughs> yeah,
3: there's nothing going on
2: <laughs> 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 little entry area with like a computer as if there was going to be like a
3: it was cool we just we just used to chill there and like smoke a bunch of weed and, and and make a lot of music you know
2: yeah so it worked out in the long run but it was definitely a gamble at first
1: the good old days, the good old yeah. old days.
3: I still smoke a bunch of weed and make a lot of music, just not at at that space. You
1: smoke better weed now, right? You got more money you smoke better weed.
3: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, weed's a lot more accessible now. We're also not
2: buying 20 bags anymore. It was a lot of-
3: Yeah, it's like, yeah.
0: Dime. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, so New York, a dime or a Uh, dub. You guys became the Knox. It's like fate or something like that. But I'm really curious, Um, I feel like not many people know about you. your guys' individual stories of music. Um and I'd like to talk about that. So starting with James, like what happened? You're a kid, you hear a song and you're like, I'm gonna be a musician.
3: <laughs> that's <laughs> that's what <happened>. that's, that's, <laughs> um no, my uh my actual actually my dad and my mom are both uh, involved in music. Like my whole family on both sides. My mom's side uh, is a bunch of uh church organist. and my dad is a church organist and he does like um uh NDing, I guess was what you would call it for, for churches. He goes around and like does all the sound and like writes a bunch of songs from them and, like both kind of like bolsters they like music departments. Um and yeah. So as kids and uh as his family, we just kinda like would roll around with my dad to different churches. We had a main church that we went to too, but I do know, just a lot of music in general. And then my mom would like be the director of music with him, like the, the co-director of music with him, and they'd both go around the churches and we'd kind of like be their music department for like a few years and before we'd like go to go to the next church. And then I played in um jazz rock bands in high school growing up. Um when I first moved to the city, I was trying to do a the like instrumentalist musician thing where I would like play in bands and I played for a bunch of bands. I was like, the keyboard is for the Americans and I like started my own couple of bands and stuff. So really just like a lot of like gospel and uh, like funk shit, I'm sorry, stuff, funk stuff.
1: You can Uh, drop four-letter words here.
3: All right. (laughs) This is not a children's program. (laughs) Yeah, it's just like gospel shit, like a lot of funk stuff. I didn't even really get into dance music like production wise until we got together and we started like, even when we first got together, like I said, we were doing like hot hip hop stuff. And then, uh, I think we moved into the dance world after we discovered that hip hop was kind of like the wild, wild west as far as like, like finances and like contracts and stuff were involved. So like, um, yeah, that's,
1: do you another. play any instruments? you play any brass or anything like that? I don't
3: play any brass. I play uh I play piano. I play uh drums. I started playing drums. Like it's hard to play drums in the city. Like there's nowhere to have a drum set in your apartment. Uh so I haven't played in a while. But I play guitar a little bit. I play some bass. I played bass in our last live show. And I don't play any brass I like I I've, like fucked around like with saxophone and trumpet. but I couldn't it's like it's too hard. I'm thinking I don't have the lungs for it. The skinny guy
2: i have quite a different background than james which is i think why we hit it off so well our music is what it is i think i grew up in a non-musical household my parents didn't play any instruments no one in my family did besides like you know we all tried to do that you have to like play an instrument in school and i think i tried like flute or something, I don't remember.
0: Flute? Oh, the recorder. Was it the recorder? <laughs> yeah, yeah, one of
2: them. <laughs> my parents were huge music fans, and it was like a like huge music fans. I grew up with a shrine to Bruce Springsteen in my house, and and all my mom would do is, you know, every day in the car, listen to the radio and tell me different facts about different bands. And she was, you know, my dad was a huge Grateful Dead guy. And uh, just a lot of music in the household in general, and I was just a huge fan. My sister, my oldest, I have two older sisters, and one was a huge... Uh, kind of punk rock fan a lot of alternative music grew up hearing a lot of these like uh, she used to get all the seven inches from the cool like girl punk bands back in the day before that stuff really blew up and it was a huge influence just the whole like alternative music she gave me my first DJ shadow album and Daft Punk and stuff that like really put me onto that world Moby Um, and that was a huge influence of mine back in the day was like a lot of the kind of trip-hop and Producer-based electronica music, um, which kind of led into slowly into hip hop and just beat-based music in general. And then I I uh, moved to New York to go to college, and I had already found a manager to kind of help me. At the time, I'd been making a lot of beats and sending them out. I had like a I was heavy on the internet so I was I grew up in Vermont and New Hampshire, where like
0: Vermont,
2: yeah, there wasn't much of a <laughs> give
0: me <laughs> shouts at Vermont. Yeah, uh, Vermont. No, my aunt's from Vermont. That's beautiful. You guys have, like little. Uh- like wires in in the trees that have maple syrup, like
2: oh, literally. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's wild. wild. <laughs> so there wasn't much of a scene, uh, obviously, in Vermont and that kind of stuff. But, you know, I, even at the time, I was still in a hip hop group. Shout out High Flow, my old like uh, white rap group from the woods, and uh, <laughs> and I used to just you know do everything I can. We threw shows at rec centers. We like I really tried, and then I was like, you know, I got to go to New York just if I want to do this. And I met a manager on on uh, through people on the internet in like myspace days and had a guy helping me like kind of sell some beats and whatnot and it kind of just like you know I just hustled. it was like we tried everything man when me and J-Pat lived together, we were trying to sign rappers to produce them and make their mixtapes. We started a label we didn't even know what that meant. just just I had used to ship mixtapes down to Miami to random dudes to try to sell them. It was just like yeah. it was a whole nother hustle you know there was no Spotify no it makes it sound old, but there was no no really online stuff besides myspace and you know twitter was like just starting so it was like you really had to just hustle it in real life and we'd go to j-pad would go to beat battles and try to make money from like winning beat battles i was dj i did a lot of dj battle stuff when i was a kid um and and yeah just like and then it was great when we met because j is such a trained musician you know he comes from it's like in his blood and i on the other side was very much beat based and kind of more on the weird playing with sounds kind of thing so together
3: unclassically like, trained
2: yeah, i gladly trained. Just train. Um, like I looked at J Pad as like a live, living sample, you know, because I couldn't play any instruments at the time. Now I can play piano. Finally, I played some drums, but but he was, but he was just so good on the keys and the on musically on the music side that like together, it really like became this crazy uh, genre fuck kind of.
0: Speaking of the internet and kind of using um, and having that having access to that many more people. How do you, do you And seeing both sides of it, do you guys prefer that, or do you kind of wish we were still back in the like, let's send a mix it to Miami and see what happens?
2: That's a good question. Um, there, there, there are elements. Yeah. Of- do we prefer what, or, or
3: the, I'm sorry, I couldn't hear the last word. Like
2: Pre-internet streaming days, basically.
3: Oh, oh, I hear.
2: What I miss is like the scene, the idea of a scene. That's kind of dead now. You know, when we moved to New York, you'd have to like go to Lit Lounge and see all these cool bands play. Like, you'd catch like. You'd go to a party and see the strokes guys there or whatever it's like it was like it was a scene before and now it's like i think the internet kind of killed the scene um it's dead it's completely dead and people to try death. to say that it's not i mean maybe there's still a scene for like ravers and stuff like that a little bit you know but but that's like, that,
3: it's yeah, not as cool for sure
2: yeah and, and when it comes to real music and like bands like there's no place like oh, there's no
3: a- live scene
2: yeah, there's no live place we go. Like, if I know I go to this venue on a Friday night, I'm going to catch the new cool no. band. That I, that there's I don't
3: no, like, underground live
1: scene at all. It died with Shea Stadium.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, mm. and, like, I can only go get the album if I go to the show. Now it's like, oh, I can look up their whole history on the internet, and I know I don't want to go, or I can see who's already at the party, so I don't want to show up. It looks whack. So yeah. it's like, that's the part I miss. But, I mean, we've yeah, that's
3: been- That's crazy. Shea Stadium, that was, like, the last one. Like, the yeah. last, like, alternative live venue that oh. I can pick make- up
2: we owe yeah. a lot at the same time we owe a lot to the internet and like streaming has been really good for us and and we've done a lot of our collaborations due to meeting people and doing remote work and so it's like you know it's a double-edged sword but i do miss the scene a lot and i feel like uh you know i i, I feel very lucky to have been around at least like for the last dying breath of
3: a little bits of it yeah because yeah. then you read books like uh Meet me in the bathroom or whatever and, and then you're like damn the scene back then was like even more like raw because there's like i don't seems like the more connectivity there became thus the, the more the scene kind of disintegrated because it felt like you needed to like be there less and less because you could hear about it or like get yeah. it still you know
1: yeah. and Dimi, demi is demi is she hung on to new york as long as she could and now she's in la oh, yeah.
0: Um, yeah, i, I, I want to shout
1: out people like you know blue to tiger mm-hmm. and mia baron Oh yeah, for sure. Stuck around New York, York. you know. Yeah, and there
2: is, and there's still like, you know, we have friends like 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 Blue and Richie Quake and this girl Anna Shoemaker. There's still like some young artists that are really doing it in New York still and like playing live shows and like starting from the ground up and really doing a DIY, which I really fuck with. And it's it's nice to see. I feel like there is a weird shift happening right now because it was so oversaturated on the internet with people just like being like, Oh, I can be an artist and just be on Instagram and Spotify. And then they're realizing that that doesn't really pan out. That you really need to have a groundswell and build up a real. Por- you have to mm-hmm. be a real person. You can't just exist on the internet, mm-hmm. unless you're like an influencer or something. So like, so I do feel like like Blue, for example, like she might have popped off on the internet. You know, she did TikTok or whatever, which was great. But uh she was around, man. She was like, I met the re- the way we met her and started working with her is because she was in the scene. She was DJing every party she could. She'd bring her bass to any place she could and jump on and play bass along to the DJ. She was like 18, playing with. Thirty-year-old DJs, yeah. Like she, she busted her ass, and like people who do that, it pays off. And a lot of people, I think, right now, think that you can just put a song on the internet and have an Instagram account, and you're gonna have a real following, and maybe you'll have a, a flash in the pan hit, but it's not gonna build up to anything really. You gotta amazing.
1: hit that first level. I mean, you can get yeah. the viral, you know, traction, but you right. have to go through that first, that first ground level, that first shell. Yeah, it takes.
2: And the proof is in the pudding. You know, a lot of these TikTok artists and shit, they're not selling tickets. You know, um, yeah. So it's it's a it's interesting. It's like it's in a weird flux right now, but I do feel like Gen Z and all these kids are like having this whole kind of revert to like DIY and like early late 90s vibes where people want to be grungy and go listen to like a noise rock band, which is great. So I hope My, that, I hope that keeps going.
1: I have a theory that I think a lot of the people who are under 25 who are really into the DIY thing who also Demi and I talk about on the show the resurgence of rock guitar-based music. That's coming out. Yeah. I feel like a lot of those people feel like they they, they were left out. They they missed the boat of pre Spotify, pre-streaming. And they feel like there's yeah. like a yearning to to experience that a little bit. I
2: talk about it all the time. That that whole era, that little blind spot in music, like in the early I guess it was like two thousand and nine or eight to two thousand and fifteen or something, is also when we came out, but we kind of made it through the other end. There were a lot of bands that uh got lost there like a lot of it like does it offend you yeah uh or like um. that whole era of like <laughs> and like and, and a lot of like bloggy you call it like bloggy alt rock stuff that was kind of like post mgmt post hype machine
1: bands hype machine bands
2: it. yeah exactly a lot of them didn't get to see the other side because there was no streaming and like it was like this false sense of inflation because you have number one on hype machine but it didn't really pan out whatever i don't know why but there's so much good music from that era that still is out there. And I think that sound is kind of coming back, which is what we're trying to do on our next album is kind of like a a revert to that original sound that kind of brought us out of uh, where we came from.
1: You guys have been releasing singles the last year or so um, leading up to, you just announced yesterday, I saw an article from yesterday. I don't know if the announcement was actually yesterday, but you guys announced your, your new album, your your third album, I guess it is. So talk about, that whole situation.
2: Uh, it's been a long time coming. Uh, when did we start it, J Pat? I guess that was.
3: Oh yeah, like uh.
2: Two years ago. It's almost like gonna be. East. Yeah, it's almost gonna be exactly two years because we went to LA to kick it off right before the pandemic. Even
3: before that, we kind of were like throwing chicken ideas around.
2: Yeah. So this has been a long time coming. I, it's one of my favorite records we've done. I think just because we've had so much time on it, you know, it feels like we've had these two years to really sit and like sift through it and and make it really great and and uh i don't know i feel like people say there's a sophomore slump which i kind of feel like we hit maybe in our last album we were a little lost in the sauce on it yeah and then we
3: just like I just, had different ideas like
2: right that yeah, yeah it's it 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 we, we pretty really, that's really
1: nice of you that you guys admit that your last album wasn't your greatest <laughs> i Actually.
3: think we just really it was i like a lot of parts of our last album and like like <sighs> <laughs> it's like a DJ and like a music and like a less, more like live side of, of like our music that like we kind of toe the line a little bit. And then I think that like kind of represents us too. Like last, like the last album, we really wanted to like go and like be a band and like do yeah. like a full tour thing with like our group and like and like and that like was representative of like the music. And the music was really good. It's just like, like we were just saying, we came out during a time then where like it was like a lot of hype machine stuff and like a lot of electronic stuff so we weren't really like a live act ever it was more like a dj duo kind of like hybrid thing and we just like pushed the lives part of it and it wasn't like i don't know it wasn't like as fruitful as i feel like we thought it was going to be but it was fun
2: yeah and i think i think we tried to be a little bit more as artists more like you know, like we, we're doing more front man, a little more indie. We had a song on Alt radio with the people, which kind of got in our head a little bit, I think. And and now we're going back to really being producers and and really pushing just that side of what is our strength, which is, I think, producing and, and using features and working with other artists and being taste yeah. makers in that sense.
3: Because at the end of the day, we've always been dance guys that like we, we come from like DJing yeah clubs and shit and like we test our music out on dance floors and we don't test our music out like at live venues so
2: we still try to keep it fresh like this album is still not it's not all it's not like house music it's still indie dance you know um mm-hmm. that's what we like really like we feel like we kind of took that hype machine vibe of indie dance and tried to put it almost on a a bigger scale
1: We've mentioned blue and we've mentioned you mentioned the foster the people single. You guys have collaborated with Wyclef and Carly Rae Jepsen and all these huge people. At this point, do you guys got to get to kind of pick and choose on your collaborations? I mean, do you start from scratch and be like, This is our wish list? Like how does that work?
2: Yeah, it (laughs) kind of changes. There's still some people that, you know, we get turned down and then we turn other people down and vice versa, but it's, it's like, like a dating app, but for It clever. is, it really is, yeah. <laughs> it depends on the song, too, because sometimes we'll have a song that, like, we wrote or someone else wrote with us, and we'll be like, man, like, the Carly Ray Jepsen song, for example, like, we had that whole song written. Even the Foster the People song, we had fully written, and we were like, man, like, Mark would, Mark Foster would fucking crush this. He's made for this. And usually that doesn't work, because a guy like Mark, who's, like, a real artist, like, he's a real songwriter, like, they don't want to cut someone else's song, you know, because they don't, they feel like they're not attached to it, but... People with the open mind that like carly did it too and 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 they were down and sometimes it works that way sometimes people won't cut it or sometimes you send an idea out to someone they send it right back with something it's just like a total fluke it's like how the person's feeling that day and you know there's also all these other factors involved you know like a lot of newer artists don't want to work with certain people because they might not be hot at the moment or they might not be the new hot thing and they're scared about their whatever we don't really care about that like we have features with on this new album of people you've never heard of, but the song is great and that's what matters to us.
0: Yeah. Speaking of White we've had Whitecleft was our 50th episode.
2: Amazing. He's a I great.
0: literally tell people he's the most inspirational person I've ever spoken to. Yeah. Um, how was it recorded? Crazy. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean he's, like, he's he's like one of my idols. You know, I grew up Fuji's oh That Record was one of my favorite albums of all time, and that was like a weird pinch me moment. I think we got a call and all of a sudden it's like, yo, you want to work with Y-Clap? And next week we're at his house for two weeks.
3: Yeah. Oh. Did you go to the desk?
1: Demi did this whole thing because he took us in our, he was on his phone and he took us in his bedroom. He had all these mirrors everywhere. Did you? It's,
2: yeah, he's got a sick like real like Jersey rapper house, you know, it's, it's yeah, like- uh,
3: Yeah, it's huge. Jersey rapper
1: house. I love that. that was yeah, that
2: was he's, he's got the guest house that has the studio and the club in the basement and in the, in the movie theater. It's like some real MTV cribs. He's got- the Yeah, whole,
3: I like, super pink, my variety.
2: Yeah, and we, you know, we we got so close with him. We ended up like producing a lot for this record, like for his his own stuff. We went out to LA with him, and we were like family, man. We were at his like daughter's birthday party at, out in Jersey, and he's like, it was such a crazy moment because you're sitting there like working with this guy who has literally worked with everyone from Carlos Santana to fucking Beyonce, and, and yeah, and he's taking notes from us. You know, we're trying to tell him like, oh, you, yeah. should, you should hit that that fucking ad lib again, and we're just like, what? I'm telling Wyclef what to do. It was crazy. <laughs> Uh, and then, but he listened and that's why he's a smart musician a smart guy. Cause he really has always had his ear to the ground for younger artists and understood that. Like, and
1: that's how you stay relevant relevant is by
2: working with younger people and taking notes. And like he, but at the same time, he's sitting there telling us stories about how he was on stage with Tupac and Biggie and like a tiger. Yeah.
3: And like, a, yeah, I brought a lion on stage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it,
2: was, it was like probably one of my favorite experiences I've ever had. I'm actually going to the Fuji's reunion show in Jersey next month, which I'm very excited about.
1: Wow. Really. Nice. Now you have this album coming out and you have, you know, all these collaborations, what's your live situation going to be like the next time you go out?
2: That's a hot topic right now. Uh, <laughs> we're
3: literally just in a Zoom about this.
2: Yeah. We'll figure it out. It's not going to be the band. It's yeah. to just two of us. It's going to be way more electronic, I think. It won't be a DJ set, but it'll be a, uh, we have a whole like visual kind of like.
3: It'll be more of an experience.
2: Yeah. This whole immersive experience planned where it's going to be very much a, uh, a little bit more on like you know the electronic side, less of like we're an indie band. You know, we had like a five piece band with live drums. We had Blue playing bass for us. We had, yes, it was, and it was great. But this is going to be way more, uh, way more kind of immersive. Like maybe get a little fucked up before you show up and have a good time. You know,
3: I'll probably still be talking some shit on the mic.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: you got me hyped. I'm ready to see it. I don't know when you're playing or what you're playing, but I'm yeah, gonna we're to
2: really announce tour dates next month. We got some locked in. We're just kind of smoothing it all out right now.
1: Okay. This is, this is a good I'm, teaser then. This is a good setup for this. Yeah,
3: exactly. I'm, I'm between I'm between the I'm trying to like cast this to my big screen, but I can't figure it out. <laughs> so
0: your guys' influence influences musically going from disco to funk to classic rock. And I'm actually curious because with all the new artists now we spoke about TikTok kids, you know, becoming artists, whatever. But who are you guys working with today? Who are you guys inspired by today?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. I really per- personally, uh, you know, me and J.P. have very similar tastes, and then we also have very different tastes. Where I love listening to like Phoebe Bridgers and a lot of like real sad folk music. And I'm mm-hmm. kind of like the whole movement. Uh, I think there's a lot of like fake Phoebe Bridgers out there right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's I love. There's
1: a lot of people who want to sound like her voice. Yeah, which, which is getting voice. a
2: little exhausting already. But like, I obviously, mm-hmm. that always when someone great comes. Like, people all try to sound like them. But uh besides that, i like that guy, Dominic Fike. I like some of his stuff. I think he's like kind of doing something interesting. I know he's he's like working with Rick Rubin and shit right now, so I think he's gonna have yeah, a
1: good he turned work. us down to oh, us. Oh my god.
2: It's cool. Uh, outside of that, a lot I really like um a lot of this lo-fi house stuff happening right now. Like this guy Fred again and um, uh, uh, the Ross from Friends. It's like kind of weirdo, like electronica stuff. That's that's coming from the UK and stuff, which I'm into. Um, and I love the 1975. That's like my guilty pleasure pop band. I guess they're not even like pop. They're cooler than that. But I love the 1975.
0: Are you guys fans of the new? Did you hear the new Lana Del Rey album? What? I haven't listened
2: yet. It's on. It's on my cue though. I'm, I'm 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 ready for it. Is it good? Because the last it's one was kind of like I didn't love the last one. She's putting
0: out so much music, which I love. Yeah, she put out a full album a few
2: months ago. I feel like.
0: No, but I mean, I think, cause she also deleted her social media like all at once. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I saw that. that was the yeah.
0: first thing I did was you look think? on Instagram when she released that album. Um, do you guys ever feel like just deleting your social media?
2: Oh my God, all the time. <laughs> I actually did during the pandemic. I didn't have a personal Instagram account. I took it down. I just like can not handle all the stuff going on. Um, because
0: it's like, it's just constant content from everyone it's you know and everyone me. you know.
3: I just, I just, I just stopped like, being on Facebook. Facebook. So, yeah.
1: so Dad asked, guys. I was talking to Demi the other day and she's gone out to LA and she was saying one of the big differences between LA and New York. She said in LA, everybody wants to show you their shit. Everyone wants to like pull up their Instagram and be like, I did this with this person. Right. I did this with this person. Look at this new thing I made. And you don't get that in New York. Not nearly as much.
2: Not as much. No, not as much as her i mean the thing about la though is like i it's funny i was just there i'm working with this new artist that i'm developing and she you know we're we to do some sessions and that's the one place you can go to do it now like as much as la is like a lot with that it's still there's a lot of up-and-coming exciting music happening there and i think it's a place that you can live like we're lucky we made it i feel like just under the cut where we were successful enough to be able to afford to live in new york and be a musician mm-hmm. when a lot of people in new york who are like just starting can't really afford it and like in LA, there's just a little bit more collaboration. There's more people to work with, but at the same time, you gotta like brush away all the.
3: It's super LA.
2: Coming at you because there's so much of it. But if you, if you dig through all the bullshit, there is some really cool like new stuff happening out there. And I think like it is the new city for starving artists, in my opinion. Because, I mean, look at Manhattan has become like a Midwest college campus now. It's like, it's not what it used to be.
0: <laughs> a Midwest college campus. Wow, that's so cool. It's,
2: it's bleak out there, but. But I like,
0: like
2: yeah. But but I LA heard. LA's got some shit going on. It's just like you got to deal with that. Like for every one cool person you meet, you got to deal with like nine fakers that are trying to trying to sell you on something. Do
1: you, do you guys do you guys have cool cars now?
2: <laughs> I have a four.
1: Yeah.
3: I I live in Brooklyn.
1: <laughs> I,
2: have, I
3: have an e-scooter.
2: I moved upstairs, <laughs> so I, I got a house and shit. But I got a, a Toyota 4Runner. It's my baby. I like it.
1: That's still That's good. For, do you go, do you go on excursions out there? Do you load no, dogs the dogs in the only, back of the, the truck? The and-
2: only one I could get was like the, uh, like the off-road version. So I have it and it has all these buttons. I don't know what the fuck it does. I, I just take it to the fucking grocery store. So, uh, someday it I'll, looks cool. I'll take it on some dirt. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I
0: feel yeah. like the true artists that don't really, I don't care about what
2: car. No.
0: Like, like, everyone
2: has got like a Tesla and all that shit. I mean, I guess LA you spend way more time in your car. So it's like, yeah, I feel I- like if I had to spend time in my car, I would like to spend more time on
1: it. Yeah. Yo, mine- but those new electric trucks Parker. look so those new electric trucks look so good though. Oh
2: with like the with Blade runner the- things, those are crazy. Yeah, like the, the yeah,
1: Cybertruck, but also even like the Ford Lightning. Oh, yeah, those yeah, those are
2: cool. Yeah. I feel yeah. like it's a matter of time before like that's the norm everywhere.
1: Because I love big trucks and SUVs, <laughs> the gas mileage and just like right. the, the maintenance. But when you take that away and you don't have to worry about Getting twelve miles a gallon, like it yeah. just opens so many things. That's up. why
2: I got a Forerunner. I want you know, I wanted like something that's boxy. I don't want one of these like soccer mom space cars. You need a G wagon. I yeah, a G wagon. Real flex. That's what J Pat's got to get to push around Brooklyn. I think. Yeah,
3: G wagon. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. Isn't that yeah, what if, yeah like you can't like cruise can't ever
3: like, find J-Wagon parking J-Wagon
1: up down Broadway. Yeah. Which
3: yeah, that's the thing. My, some of my homies have cars here in, in Brooklyn, and they'll be like, oh, like let me drive you so like wherever i got to go and then i'm at first i'm like yeah for sure and then i'm like ah because then like there's never any parking we always spend like an hour <laughs> we're parking
1: uh, what's crazy me is when you're in brooklyn you see somebody's maserati you see like a maserati parked on the yeah, street there's some, like there's some crazy shit there. what are you doing
3: like on knickerbocker
1: yes exactly yeah if i was
2: driving like a fancy nice car, like, car like, like that in hudson valley i'd get like the stink eye from all the rednecks and be like who the fuck is this guy like, <laughs>
1: All right. Before we let you go, guys, um, one thing we didn't really talk about um, when I have electronic mus- musicians up here, guys who do uh, women, anybody who does DJ, people who do DJ, DJ sets, I'm always interested in the craziest place you played or done a set in. Most exotic, most interesting, weirdest. Mm-hmm. Do you name, anything come to come to mind from that?
2: I'd say um, Richard Branson's.
3: Brand. Yeah, I did Richard Branson's little island thing.
1: Okay, pause it. Tell, tell us all about that. What was that like? Did you fly in on a private plane? Like, tell us the yeah, whole
3: thing. Yeah, and, a, and it was, boat. It
2: was, it, was, it was one of his good friends, like, one of his, like, gambling. You know, who's that guy who takes the photos with the guns and the girls all the time? Oh, uh, fucking, um... You know, the guy. He's Valerian. Ma, yeah, Valerian. It, it fell off now, but, but, like, part of that whole crew of, like, ridiculous rich gambling Just people. Crazy
3: people, they, yeah. And
2: they had their party at, at whatever it's called, his private island in the wherever it is but uh british British Virgin islands so we're in the middle of tour and we had to like get off like leave the bus and get on a go to the british
3: British farm stage
2: yeah and then go on this boat where they like drove us through the they because i think they didn't want us to have to deal with customs so they drove us at night so we're like getting like basically like shipped to this island in the pitch black on this tiny boat with this woman who's like runs the island or whatever and then we pull up and it's like it's literally like it's like doctor seuss there's like monkeys and there's par- they like imported all these animals and there's like reptile like but it's like a, it's his own fucking island it's insane
3: they're like, talking like, to us and shit
2: yeah helicopters. Like the animals
3: are like, talking to all us
2: all these birds talking to us yeah. <laughs> it was like and then we just dj'd a party for like what it was like 20 people like it wasn't even that it was like a private I could be that kind of thing wasn't even that many people
1: it sounds like a brunch or something. Yeah, literally. Yeah, really... And
2: it was just like these really fancy- And then people. we left that night. Like... Yeah, and they're all just like this on their phones, like Instagramming the whole thing while, like, uh, while they're on the dance floor. And, like... and then we had to get back on the boat that night at like 3 a.m. and drive through the pitch black to get back it was like it was like a fever like a small little
3: like dinghy boat I, learned that. I was
2: like,
3: <laughs> in the middle of a little middle of, like i don't even know like the it's Gulf black, or and i was like
2: yo if some other boat pulled up like you wouldn't even see it. like it was like yeah but they're like yeah we just don't have to deal with you know passports i'm like this is fully illegal
1: <laughs> don't rich people have it good don't like like the rules don't apply to them yeah.
2: still i mean the place is insane though it was like because what it was called and i guess he had just got hit with the hurricane but you couldn't even tell because they rebuilt the whole thing i guess it just the whole thing got wiped out and he's like all right just do it again and they just like built the whole thing again wow so must wow. be
1: nice well that story didn't disappoint i appreciate it yeah no problem and you and I feel like you guys could be doing that like you know once a week or something. That's what you should tell people. We're like just like flying around. I'm,
2: I wouldn't mind doing that shit once a week. Yeah, that's the best part of being a DJ because you just show up with a little USB stick like this.
1: And I, like, I feel like back in the day, like the the apex for being a DJ is if you could play Diddy's White Party. That, would be, yeah, like, the that was be the thing to do. DJ was like I'm honestly
3: is, trying to move into more of those types <laughs> of like one off like private big money gigs we as a DJ.
1: Yeah, with like go-go dancers and like silver body suits. Like
3: I, listen, it, it just whatever the whatever the accoutrement. Yeah, as as it was, <laughs> it worth the change. All
1: right, guys. Well, we gotta go. Thank you so much for joining us on Real Jordan and Demi.
2: Thanks for having us. It was a pleasure.
1: JPAT Pat B. Rock, The Knox new album is out when? I, I didn't even to talk about the release date. Uh, we haven't
2: announced the release date, but it's, it's right. uh early next year though.
1: Early next year. Okay. All right. So look out for that. All right, guys. Thanks a lot.
2: Appreciate it,
1: Dimmy. That was fun. The Knox. They have worked with so many people. It's ridiculous. And that Richard Branson story. I feel like they have two dozen of those just like chilling there that they could have told us.
0: It's also good. I mean, we've had going back to like the TikTok new artists, just new artists in general. Yeah. Um, that have that can make use of the internet and having access to people by the snap of their fingers it's really nice to have on artists that have a foundation built the foundation and uh made their way to the top kind of like the real way
1: you know you know and they talked a lot about there is no uh there's no scene here in New York and all that kind of stuff but but there's still connections being made you know you're friends with blue and there, and they helped, you know, pr- production stuff with Blue and Blue played bass for them. And so, like, there's connections being made all around us, you know.
0: Yeah, I definitely, yeah, I definitely would say the scene may not be what it was because there's so many different people coming to New York and trying to do music. But people do like to come out and have a good time still. So, and I, I think that will never change.
1: I do get give you props for your turtleneck. You're looking very California today.
0: look like you're about ready
1: to go to Napa Valley on a wine tour. <laughs> Thanks, Jordan. But you're like it out though, right? You you're digging it more than you more than you were.
0: I love it. It's it's a problem, Jordan. And we always you can go back to episodes. We used to shit on New York. I mean uh LA.
1: Yeah, Freudian cool. slip there. Yeah. All right. So we will be back next week. And of course. Go to uh, Facebook, YouTube, uh, TikTok, anywhere. We're uploading a lot of TikToks these days, little clips, little nuggets from the show. So please check us out there. And of course, you can listen to our whole archive at podcast.com or Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Music, wherever you listen to your podcast. So until next time, we'll see you later. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening.